0: That just told me I shouldn't be recording while I'm multitasking. <laughs> I don't know what it thinks I'm doing. I'm a multitasker. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, they used to tell me it worked at all the time. Said, never, never seen anybody that could do two or three things at once. And I said, yeah, but it's hard to calm that down sometimes. <clears throat> can you tell me what chapter you're in? Yep, we're in Romans chapter 6. But I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm teaching out of it, but a lot of it. It's been explained, but yes. Hi, Paul Huffman. How are you, my fellow artist? All right. Norma Mason, good to see you. We're sorry you're not going to be here today because we're cooking uh, filet mignons for everybody. <laughs> no, I'm kidding Hi, Kay. Hi, George. All right, we'll get started. Several people come on. So we're continuing our teaching on unveiling the book of Romans to reveal the, the beauty of Jesus' gospel. I've had a lot of people ask me about that. Why did I title it that way? But but the truth is what Jesus came to reveal was beautiful and it, it helped people a lot. So that's important. I also want to say for all of you on Facebook that are watching, uh, if you know Josh Button, and if you don't, that's okay. But something's happened to his young daughter and she's on life support. I don't know the details or anything, but please be speaking life over her and agreeing with him that she's going to come to, and that she's going to heal and uh, that there will be no bad thing take place in her life. So I know Josh would appreciate if you would do that. Also, we uh, speak peace to the, Tammy Hoddle's family. She lost her brother today. So we just love her very much and care for her and believe that they're going to experience peace there. So, so we're continuing our, <clears throat> our journey through Romans. Uh, as most of you know, <coughs> excuse me, I translated Romans uh, a few years ago. It took me about two and a half years or more to do that. And so what we're doing is we're going through Romans, and I'm listening for a particular word or a sentence or a statement or whatever that the Lord just really impresses on me, and then that's what I'm teaching. So I hope that you've been enjoying that. And Carl, let me move this over just a little bit so this won't be in front of you. I was prepared for you set in a recliner. <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm teaching from Romans six one through twenty four today, but I'm not going to read the whole chapter. And I've sent it to all of you that wanted it, that you can download it. Also, I put it on Facebook. The whole thing can be read. So I encourage you, if you are following us, to go ahead and read that. But after I read through that two or three times, what stood out to me was endowment of life and the effect of thought. The endowment of life and the effect of thought. Because we have been given an endowment, right? and i'm i haven't really checked that out but i think that's a word that's used sometimes when a wealthy family puts an endowment for their family to sustain them through all their life and so what is life i talked a lot a few weeks ago about life eternal and eternal life but life is continuous that's one of the most important things we need to understand about life life is continuous father never ever gave us life for it to end and I believe it ends because uh, physically, because we don't know who we are. We 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 have a knowing, but I don't think it's so embraced that we literally live out of that. Because we're surrounded with physical death, are we not? Everybody we know, uh, so far they've got to certain ages, or they got diseases, or whatever, and death beca- seems to become a reality, and so it has, in a sense, kept us mortal-minded instead of immortal. And immortal means we're not mindful of death all the time. We don't think about death all the time. But it's right there in front of our faces constantly. You know, we're on Facebook almost every day somebody's passing away and it shows it up on Facebook and in our families or whatever. But it's continuous. And Donna and I was discussing this yesterday because I knew what I was going to be teaching. But I asked her, uh, I said, "What would? How would you feel if you realized that the day that your body died there would be nothing at all? And she said, if you start teaching that, I'm not going to follow you anymore. <laughs> that's a good answer. But I wasn't going to because I just don't think that's possible. I, I, I what, I'm, what I know about life and what I know about my father, our father is eternal. Yes. He's the eternal one and he's the ageless one. And we're in father. So it proceeds from divine life. There is physical life, but even physical life, it all proceeds from divine life, which is good in all of its manifestations. When Father created the heavens and the earth and he brought everything into being, it always says, it is good. He said, it is good. He said, it is good. And if you've ever listened to me teach on that before, that word good is a Hebrew word, which means to be. Now it's one word, T-O-B-E. But to me, I I, I think when Father says it is good, I think he's saying it's to be. It always be this way. To be. Does that make sense? Yes. It does to me. And so it, it, uh, it's, it's a life and it's divine life and it's good and all of its true manifestations. Because sometimes people say, well, if that's true, then why do people do bad things? Well, it's because they're not living out of their true manifestation, yes. not living out of who they are. So there's only one power in the universe, and that power which we call God, we call it Father, we call Source. Some people call it Universe. Don't get mad at them for that. That's their perception. That's their understanding. Uh, there's other religions in the world that use other words, but they're all pointing to Father. They're all pointing to the Source of all life. So there is no evil, and it actually the word means bad. But there's no bad except that which is man-made. Because Father did not create evil. That when you look at the word that He created, uh, light and got darkness and all that, or light and darkness, it's an antithesis, which means He created light and man turned it into darkness. He created all things good, and man's choices created into bad. But people want to blame it on God, but He did not do that. So the normal state of man is is abounding health. That speaks volumes to me, because I, I need that health to break forth inside of me. I know what it feels like to not walk in health. And so, uh, <clears throat> abounding health is the divine purpose of Father, and the divine purpose of Father is for us to experience, uh, express the joy of life. And I do that, and you guys do that. We love life. We've been, uh, there's four of us here today, we've been on lots of nice vacations, we've We eat together a lot, and we play games together a lot, and we laugh, and we laugh, and we laugh, and we laugh at each other. You know, we play a game called spades, and when you go kneel, we wear a a hat like you would see in a donut store or whatever, and we have gotten to the age now where we forget sometimes, so before somebody plays, they'll reach their hand up and touch that hat. They can't remember they got the hat, and we laugh, and we make fun of each other, and we make mistakes, right? But life is to be filled with joy. And that's what Father wants us to have. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, which means perfection, and what? Joy. And where is it? It's inside of you. And then we're going to talk about, going to talk about thought. Thought is creative. Would you agree with that? Thought is creative. Your health and happiness are the results of how you think. Correct? You, you can wake up one morning... And just start thinking, I don't feel real good. And then you can lay there and meditate on that. Instead of jumping up and saying, oh, it's a great, wonderful day. And not pay attention to your feelings. Now, I'm not saying we should never pay attention. Because sometimes we need to pay attention to something that's going on. But not meditate and agree with your feelings. But if you do, next thing you know, you can really think yourself sick. and it's Because your, your body responds to thought. And imagine... Can you imagine that? That your body responds to thought? That's why the Apostle Paul said if there's anything worth thoughting on or thinking on, mm-hmm. think on these things. Mm-hmm. Those things that are edifying, the things that are good. And huh? The opposite is true, too. If you don't feel good when you wake up, start speaking and thinking, you know, right. the joy of the Lord is my strength or, you know, whatever. These may be the facts, but they're not the truth. Yeah. Right. Start you start feeling better well it releases it releases physical things that God put in your body that do spiritual things endorphins is one of them that's the only really intelligent word I can think of right now but there's other things and so as we know as a person thinks in their awareness so is their experience whatever your thought is all day long that is your experience you know and could tell Carl Roy and Donna is going to come over today and he doesn't want to see us and he starts thinking oh my God, I'm going to have to entertain them you know and, and and Roy's going to beat me at every game that we play and he's just thinking about it and thinking about it and next thing he's just had a miserable day and says said, oh goody, Roy's going to come <laughs> and that could never that could never happen folks <laughs> so the key to greater awareness of father and all the spiritual power within and around us rest in the The person's ability to examine in Scripture hidden truths, hidden spiritual truths that we can think on those things, that we can think on what Father wants for us. And when Paul the Apostle wrote to the community of believers at Corinth, he told them, we speak the, the wisdom of the supreme divinity, which is Father, in a mystery. Because it was a mystery to those people. Why would anything be a mystery? Well, because it was hidden by religiosity. They, they hid those things. They didn't allow people to know those truths. And he said, Even the hidden wisdom which Father ordained before the world unto our glory. And that's in 1 Corinthians 2 7, if you're taking notes. <coughs> but this can only be accomplished when we cease to interpret the Bible literally. And there are still people out there today that, in, that defend the literal interpretation of the Bible. And to, to tell you the truth, I think it's because they want it. They want people that's not saved to suffer right, they want the world to come to an end so they can fly away someday All, all the stuff that they've been taught they're 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 groaning and they're for the wrong thing and so this what we do those who seek the deeper spiritual message that's contained in those pages it it makes a big difference in their life and in nineteen eighty eight Father spoke through my thoughts and led me down a path which was hidden to carnal searchers. And how do I know that? Because for my first 38 years of my life, I was a carnal searcher. What do I mean by carnal? Well, how to be a better husband, how to, how to, uh, how to give to get back, and the list can go on and on. That's carnal. It's all about what can, we can do to improve this physical being that we are, not knowing that we can't, we don't need to be improved. We don't need to be made greater. The only thing that needed to be made greater was our awareness. And then, so we are to be searchers of spiritual truths and searchers of wisdom. And it's all there. And God didn't hide it. Religion hid it. Translations hid it. False teachings hid the truth. So Father is equally present everywhere, Right? I hear sometimes people talk about how we've been all been given a portion of faith. Well, it doesn't mean I just have a little bit of faith. We all have the same portion and that portion is father's faith in us. That's where we really need to put our faith. Uh, You know, I may not think well about me, but I know father thinks all kinds of wonderful things about me. And so I want to agree with father instead of what's been implanted in my subconscious or how I was treated all my life that I'm no good. I'll never be any good. You always spill the milk, you know, and all that stuff that we were taught. So Father is not a man living in a distant, uh, distant planet called uh, heaven and looking down on us from somewhere, uh, up, uh, from the clouds if you would. Father fills all space. Father fills all living things. In the very cell of your body, Father fills that. And your neutrons and all the parts of your body, Father feels that. And so the air you breathe is holy breath. Not just your physical air, but your physical air was created by who? By Father, right? So you and everyone around you are expressions of fathers. And in the previous uh, chapter, uh, I wrote on life, eternal, eternal life. And I believe the experience we know is death of the body is not the end of the life. Because God gave life, and life is eternal, and it's continuous forever. So my answer to Donna the other day is, no, baby, I don't believe life ends. I believe it's forever. But I wouldn't want to be one that believes when my physical body lays down, there is no more life again whatsoever. And I have family that believes that. I have friends that believe that this is all there is to it. So Father does not send sickness. Father does not send disease or anything else to test your faith or to process you. Father is only good. Father is only love. There is no anger in Father. There is no indignation in Father. There is no real wrath, the way they use the word wrath, in Father. So furthermore, do not believe in an entity with the evil power because there is only one power. Correct? The only power that runs this earth is Father. And yes, we have electricity, we have uh, wind, we have fire, but Father created all that. Father is the source of all of that. So, Father is the power of the entire universe. So, just like I've shared many times, darkness does not flee from a room when you turn on the light. When you turn on the light, it reveals that there was no darkness there. Does that make sense? All darkness is, is the lack of light. So there is no darkness. Darkness is merely a, a, a perception. And then bad has no reality within itself. It can have existence only as long as an individual supports that. So again, if you believe that there is a bad being under your bed, then you're going to experience that until mom and daddy get you on the floor and say, look, there's nothing there. It's just in your imagination. So in Romans 6, 1 to 24, uh, the, the, Paul, the apostle, continues to deal with his followers' past mistaken identity. And that's why I'm not going to read it all today, because it would take too much time. But the result, And then he talks about the results of living that way. Then he talks about some of the things Jesus revealed. And then he writes that they know the bad results in living under the Mosaic law, or any laws like Moses. And then the life that we have always contained and now should possess as ours and possess it and live out of it. That's what he talks about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip way ahead and go to verse 23. And I encourage you to read the rest of that chapter. That's right, Kent. There's no place in the universe where Father is not, where Abba is not. Verse 23 of Romans 6. But now, after what Jesus revealed to me in his teachings, life, and resurrection... I have the chance to explain and teach these things to you so that you are awakened to your freedom from the many dead sacrifices and blood offerings and the the dictates of the Mosaic law. Now that you know and are aware of these truths, which I'm revealing to you, you are assured that you are bonded together as one with father and nothing can separate you from that fact. How many people do you know that know that? Not very many, right? So we need to be equipped to go forth. Right. So now you can possess, handle and understand the fruit which you have desired to have, which is your pureness and holy Zoe life, which is God life. Without any efforts from yourself, you possess this life before the foundation of the world. And it continues to age after age, world without end, everlasting to everlasting. Verse 24. In conclusion of this section of my letters to you, you now know the fruit of of following the mosaic. And other religious laws is death to the knowledge of the life of father within you. You are now aware that the endowment of life placed in man by father at the foundation of the world is a life of well-being, wholeness, peace, joy, divine health, and perfect fellowship with father and man. It remains from everlasting to everlasting as revealed by Jesus' incarnational events. Amen. That means let it be so, right? So, you can be the healthiest person in the world or you can be the sickest person in the world you can be laying on your deathbed but yet every bit of this is in you every bit and that's why i think sometimes when we are asked to pray over people we need to converse over them and call forth that well that to rise up within them josh bunton's baby i don't know what's going on with that girl she's not a baby but she's a young child but that's what I began to do to her, to speak up and to, to speak into her. And I say, spring up a oh well within this girl's soul. Spring up divine health within this girl's soul and bring health to her. Yes. So I want to start with the endowment of life, because that's where he ended up with, with the endowment of life. So the endowment of life, I, you know, I like to look up names and find names that have meanings in my dictionaries. So in ancient days, there was a young man named Zabad, Z-A-B-A-D. And Zabad was the son of Nathan. And y'all, everybody knows who David was, uh, Nathan. And he was one of David's mighty men. But none of his deeds were recorded in biblical history. Have you ever read the genealogies and all you see is a name and no place else in the Bible talks about them? The first thing we should do is realize maybe we should look up the meanings of those names. Because if you've seen in my previous teachings for several years, all those names represent different types of characters and they confirm the character father in us, but they also, uh, also confirm the... the um, I'm trying to think of a word I want to use, but they, th- they also reveal the carnalness of a person's awareness and why they did some things because their awareness was wrong. And so David's mighty, uh, mighty men have lots of uh, names listed that can teach you a whole lot. But I looked up this gentleman's name, and it carries a great meaning... It's whom God gave, its gift, its present, as though there's a present given to you, a donation, or an endowment. So allegorically, Zabad's name pictures father giving the gift of himself to all sons and, of course, daughters, which is his breath. And that's why I say the word grace literally means God graces with himself. That's the greatest gift somebody can give you is themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so Father's idea from the foundation is important for us. And we are all endowed as the spiritual I am or the spiritual I exist, because that's what I, if you look up the word am, it means exist. And this is true of every believer, every every person, not believer, every person born of a woman, because some people don't believe, but it's still true. And so Father gave his whole gift to all the first race, Adam. And that gift, I was thinking about. It, it's like that battery or that gift is. Oh, it's a jewelry commercial. It's the gift that keeps on giving, right? I gave Donna my my uh, ring that had my my mama's diamond on it, and it's very special to me. And I gave it to her on our fiftieth wedding anniversary, and it keeps giving because she keeps looking at it and keeps enjoying it, and it's a it's a wonderful gift, right? And so Father gave us gave us a gift that keeps on giving. And one of the words that we need to understand, it means repletes. It repletes life. It's an eternal source. Life never leaves us. It's always part of our being. And so uh, it, in, in the son and the daughter, I put down here, there is all possibility. There is nothing impossible to us. Scripture says all things are possible through what? It says, through Christ who strengthens you, but literally all things are possible through contact with Father who strengthens you. Because Father strengthens us. Jesus is not here strengthening me. People think that Jesus is inside of us and all that, and I don't disdain Jesus. I honor Jesus highly among all men. He was one powerful comforter messenger. But it's the contact with Father that strengthens me, just like in this house, that light bulb over there or the light bulbs up there, their strength comes from being plugged into their source. Correct. And so contact with father is our store, our source. And even in the egg inside of a woman that's interpenetrated with life. And then that, the, the, that uh, resulting embryo there's all that father is there's one authority and that's God. And that gives meaning to the name. My gift is God. That's the greatest gift that I ever received in my life was father from the foundation of the world and from when I was impregnated by my mother and dad. So next I find found the name Zebedeh, Zebedah, Z-E-B-I-D-H, which means in Hebrew gift outright. It means bestowal. It means dowry. And again, it means endowment. So Debedi was the mother of Jehoiakim, remember the, the king of Judah. And allegorically, allegorically, this meaning would be the feminine awareness, if you would, or the left brain of, of a man, recognizing the truth, which would be the right brain, that's signified by this name, Zebud, Z-A-B-B-U-D, and that's the masculine of Zebeda. So you have the feminine, and you have the masculine here, and Zebeda means, uh, is the name of the woman, and it signifies this feminine phase that literally leans to the, tr- the true mind, if you would, the divine mind, and realizes it's been given to, it's been, uh, it's been endowed, it's been instowed, but all my life comes from leaning to the divine mind. I know that's a little confusing for some people, but allegorically that reveals an awakening to the fact that man has been furnished with a permanent, inexhaustible supply. We've been endowed with that it's a supply of life. It's a supply of love. It's a supply of wisdom. It's a supply of intelligence and power and strength. So we have every good that's required for our daily life. We can wake up today and if we really embrace it and know it, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And not get up in the morning and say, oh, it's raining today. Oh, it's cloudy today. Oh, it's cold today. We were talking about today, you know, all, we had a really hot summer. and We couldn't wait till fall. Now fall's here. Now we're cold, <laughs> you know, back and forth. But the source is father and the source put in us the ideal for man and for the son of daughter, uh, uh, for the son, our daughter. And it's our true self. And it's the true self of everybody. Every, all these things. Things that we're hearing on the news about bad people, good people, whatever—it matters not. There's their true self as son or daughter of God. They're just not living out of who they know they are, who they are. And the truth is, we're not living totally out of who we are, but we're learning and we're embracing that. So, what we want to do it, it produces in each individual to the extent that we cooperate with what's inside of us, and our thoughts is what hinders us from cooperating what's inside of us and that's why we need to pay attention to our thoughts would you agree sometimes it wouldn't hurt to sit and and meditate uh at the end of the day and what were my thoughts like today and then what was the results of those thoughts and learn from that right so jesus was a messiah for the jews that's who he was and other people in his world his true teaching explained continues to be a Messiah for those who embrace the not concealed word of God. It's what he's, he's not my Messiah. He's not here. Right. But what he taught would be my Messiah. A Messiah is somebody that rescues a messiah, or, or it, it's not just somebody. It could be a book. You ever read a book that was a Messiah to you that rescued you from a false belief. Yeah, you have, you read the truth of the Bible. You read living out of our spiritual resources. Did that not wake you up to a lot and confirm a lot, but no penal substitution. That was a Messiah to all of us, wasn't it? It freed us of that idea that we thought God wanted to kill Jesus and that Jesus needed to shed his blood for us. So that would be a Messiah to us. So a Messiah is not necessarily a noun. It could be, it could be a understanding. It could be a friendship. It could be a relationship. You know, there are people out there in the world that have no friends Uh, before we met you guys we had friends but we didn't have intimate friends like we could go do things with and fellowship with and go eat with and so y'all came into our life and kind of rescued us from that and introduced us to five or six couples that the life that we live now we didn't have before that every Friday night we have a time of fellowship so I'm just trying to get a point across that people are looking for a coming Messiah they're looking for jesus to come back and what we don't realize that we've been endowed with everything that jesus came to teach us yes. and everything that jesus came to share with us we have it because the bible says we have contact with the holy one or we have contact with the divine mind which is father and we know all things and so a messiah is a rescuer a freer and a deliverer from something that would be hindering or traducing a person that needs a Messiah. And every one of us have been there before. Brother Garner, in a sense, was a Messiah to me. John Cahill was, a sense, uh, uh, in a sense, a Messiah to me. Scotty Todd, uh, John Corson in Jacksonville, Oregon, was a Messiah to us. We were in a place where we weren't learning. We were very sad about it. We cried many times about it. And then I found this man on the radio listening to him. I thought, there he is. This is the teaching I've been looking for. And uh, unfortunately, he lived in Jacksonville, Oregon, (laughs) but he had a radio ministry and he had a tape ministry. And I studied under him for how many years? Nine years. And he really brought us up higher, did he not? And a great teaching that we really enjoyed. So Jesus possessed and handled this endowment that was given to him. And he became a master comforter teacher because he stayed in contact with Father. He learned from the Essenes. He learned from his mother. And he was able to live out of who he knew he was and then teach all that. So as we are, he was filled with holy breath because of his his willingness to stay in contact with Father. Then he was able to function out of his divine mind. And then he became the comforter messenger that he is. I believe with all my heart and one way or another, every one of us are gifted to be a comforter messenger. A comforter, is a when you look it up, it's a leader and a guider of truth. And we have, all have certain measures, certain amounts of truth that we can share with people. And it could just be God loves you. But not just God loves you, but let me explain to you why God loves you. Because the world has heard God loves you, but then they turn around and hear, but if you don't accept him, he's gonna burn you in hell. So that's not love, that's not love without a cause. And so comforter messenger is illuminated, is enlightened, and they're endowed with a special, a special mission, as we, every one of us are. We all have a divine purpose in which we're endowed. If I left a lot of money for my children and I endowed that, there, there would be a purpose there. I wouldn't want them to be wise with it. I would want them to invest it properly so they can have it for a long time. My purpose wouldn't be for them to go out and buy a $25 million mansion and the biggest boat that they could buy and the biggest house that they could buy and all that stuff because I know what that does to people. It destroys people most of the time. And so Father didn't endow us with all this so we can just enjoy it for ourselves, right? And and everybody else suffer. He endowed things to us so we can be a blessing and a messenger to other people. And so when we're quickened Uh, with spiritual faith and Father's faith, then we become charged with the spiritual energy that we're able to do all things because we're in contact with Father. Why are you able to live the way you do? Because I'm in contact with Father. Why are you not afraid of the end of the world? Because I'm in contact with Father. I know Father is my source. And contact with Father is your hope of glory, which means the full weight or the full power of Father at work in you and upon you so we could say those who stay in contact with the divine mind are the receivers are the expressors of the faculties of the power of God they are endowed with spiritual insight they're endowed with knowledge and it inspires them to express all the life that they contain and I think that's very good When I thought when I wrote that I thought about Kay Fairchild I believe she's endowed with spiritual knowledge I believe she's endowed with great insight and understanding why because she didn't get stuck I didn't get stuck. There's other ministers that didn't get stuck in the outer court of holy place understanding. Father kept drawing us up higher and higher and we yielded to it. I think Father's always drawing people up higher and higher, but they don't always yield to it. So the expression of being manifests as activity and occupation and vitality. It's part of our life, life sustenance of our divine idea. So life is not in itself intelligent it requires directive power, and again, it, 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 it requires the father. You, there's nothing alive that cannot survive without the contact with the source, correct? And the source is always drawing it up higher. Physically, one of the greatest sources of plant life is the sun, right? And I always, uh, always admire, uh, admire plants, because I'm not a gardener, professional, but I do garden. But in the morning, the plants are facing the east. And the evening, the plants are facing the west. And around noon, they're straight up. Why is that? Because there's a life, it's a heat source that's drawing them up higher. And too often, God's people don't face the east. The east is where everything begins. Too often, all day long, we're just looking down. Spiritually speaking, if you would. So in order to give man a body, having life itself, Father had to endow Adam, the first race of man, with a central life center. It's located, if you would, in the generative organs, and the center of activity is, is also the seat of sensation, if you would, which is subtle, and it's enticing, and, and it, 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 basically that's the factors of all its being. So these qualities sensation and generation are necessary for a character they're necessary for a complete represent- representation of the very image of father we have to be we have to be uh, sensitive to the things of God we have to be sensitive to the voice of God and the moving of spirit if you would so our true life does not emanate from the brain it's not a psyche or just a mental thing it springs forth from the divine mind it's a divine life that springs forth and the father is the source and so the river of life is a, is a spiritual consciousness. When we talk about the river of life, it's when your consciousness is flowing with nothing but life and nothing but understanding. So true life is living eternally in and as the presence of Father. That's what true life is. And you don't have to lose your body to do that. You can do it right here. Our true life is I exist as Father exists. And so we speak harmony with Father and when we speak in harmony with Father, then we're constantly aware that we are the kingdom of God. Jesus did not say anything that he did not hear the Father say, right? So we need to hear the Father say, speak to us. And so where does Father speak to us? In thought. Have you ever heard Father speak like, sounds like he's out here somewhere? Sometimes you hear a voice. And I've said this many times, that voice sounds like you. Most of the time, but it's God speaking to you, correct? And so what is the effect of thought on our life? Well, just in case you're thinking of the scripture where Jesus said, take no thought, I'm not speaking about that kind of thought. That kind of thought is M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O, M-E-R-I-M-N-O. And it means to be anxious or to worry about something. And what is most people's thought filled with? Anxiousness? Worry, fear, jealousy, doubt. Somebody said, "If uh, I think it's if, you, if you're worrying, you're thinking of the future, and if you're uh, or the past, you know, uh-huh. you're not in the now moment. Right. And the past doesn't exist and the future doesn't exist. It's only in your, your thoughts, mm-hmm. only in your awareness. So the thought I'm writing about and teaching about has to do with the process of thinking. That's why Paul said, if there's anything worth thinking on, think on these things. Thought is very important. Thought is probably the greatest thing that a church needs to teach on. is thought. And not in a good and bad sense, but what are your thoughts filled with? People thought many things about Father and they weren't true, right? They thought many things about themselves and they were not true. You know, I read lots of books, uh, study books. I don't just read whole books, but I do a lot of research. And what people have said about Father for hundreds, if not thousands of years, is not true. It's all a lie. And what they say about us, it's a lie. You can sit in churches and hear people all the time say, well, we're just human Well, all that is is an excuse not to be who you are. And you can listen to one of Kay's teachings, about three teachings back, and she thoroughly explained that we are not human whatsoever. We're wall-to-wall spirit. We're wall-to-wall God in a body or as a body. Uh, Thought is an idea. Thought is an opinion produced by thinking or occurring suddenly in the brain. All of a sudden there can just be a thought come to you And we we need to discern our thoughts because I've said this many times. You can be driving down the street and a thought comes to you. Next thing you have an affair with it and a whole movie comes out, right? So thought is an idea or opinion. It's produced by thinking. And thought includes ideas, notions, beliefs, concepts. Give me a Sam Slower. It includes notions, belief, concept, conception. Perceptions, and thought is a process of thinking, reasoning, contemplation, musing, and pondering. And all those words, if it's done wrong, they can infect you you drastically. Uh, I published a book a few years ago, just before Steve uh, uh, Farah died. And his content was of what he titled, The Musings of Steve Farah. Each one took a lot of pondering, he wrote on uh, uh, several different subjects, but he also did a lot on quantum physics, he studied, he was very interested in quantum physics. And so each one took a lot of pondering, took a lot of reasoning, a lot of contemplation, a lot of beliefs and much thought. And you can tell in his writings that he was very thoughtful in what he penned and what he put down. Not everyone writes down their thoughts, but their thoughts get deeply planted, planted in their subconsciousness. It wouldn't hurt to have a journal <laughs> to write down your thoughts and then discern weekly or daily or whatever. Were these edifying? Are these true? Because if you just allow them to be... Or is it just stinking thinking? Stinking thinking. <laughs> but if you allow them to continue, then they impregnate your subconsciousness and they infect you. So, uh, not every, uh We think so. Oh, we want our thoughts to bear good fruits by expressing the way, the truth, and the life way of life. So that's one thing we can do is we can discern do our thoughts express life? Do they express the way that Jesus revealed to us? Do they express the truth? Even though they may be a fact, is that the truth? You know, uh, I've been part of this and I've talked about other people in the past that have, but then I've experienced it. But I've experienced sitting in a doctor's office saying you have two terminal diseases and you're going to die. Well, you, you've got to fight those thoughts, <laughs> you know, you, because they can, you can begin to think about that and they can get planted in you. And next thing you know, you're agreeing with it mm-hmm. that you're going to die. There have been people and there was a comedy show years ago. I wish I could remember the name of it. It was so good. It was a, an African-American woman worked on a job and they had to do a physical and they did the physical and they discovered that she was dying and they went and told her she was gonna die. And had only so many years or so many months to live. And so she took all of her money, and you know what I'm talking about? It's a funny show. And she goes overseas and she spends her money and vacations, does everything she ever wanted to do. And then they found out that it was a mistake and they're trying to find her. <laughs> You know what, if they didn't find her and she agreed with it, she could have died. She should have started feeling some symptoms and thinking, oh, this is it. This is the big one, mama. You know, and so that it, I, I always thought that is such a true thing because what you're told and what you believe affects your life. What you think, what you thought on, I know that's not grammar, but what you thought on, what your thoughts were will affect your life and cause you to make wrong decisions and create wrong actions. So we want to bear good thoughts, true thoughts, not just good, but true thoughts. True thoughts are drawn from the real nature of our source, from Father, and they give form to divine ideas, and their attributes are placed in us at our formation. They're already with us. They were given to us when when daddy's sperm impregnated mama's egg, and there was a, a explosion of light, and I believe that's when the very breath, the very spirit of God entered into our being. So I I believe the egg has life in it. I believe that with all my heart. And so true thoughts are drawn from that, from our real nature. And what happens is in order to give form to the divine idea of attributes, Father has given us, we exchange our attention from the visible to that which seems to be invisible. Do any of you remember a word that I told you not too long ago that means exchange? What? Uh, atonement. Yeah. I know you remember, you knew it. atonement, at one I call it at one Because atonement is one word that they use in the Old Testament, and it means all that stuff about paying price and all that. But in the New Testament, or the New Outlook book, it means exchange. So at one means I exchange my separateness mentality to an at one mentality. I exchange my belief system to the fact that I am one with Father, And when I can do that, then I also should change my visible sight to the invisible and pay more truth to what seems to be invisible, which is the spiritual. And that changes our affections and it causes us to be uh, spiritual beings, which is who we are. And it's not yet seen with the physical eyes, but I believe when we tune more and more to the single eye, we're going to begin to see things the way they are. And I believe in a measure many of us do that already. We, we see people the way God sees people. It, 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 is, it is an effort every day to train ourselves not to see them the way they're acting. You know, We see them for who they really are. I, I say this all the time. It's like a child. A mom's at Walmart and the child's acting up and everything. and you know, and She's not bothered by it, but the person next to him says, why don't you do something about that kid? I saw the most horrible kid today, but to mom, it's not a horrible child. And the mom doesn't think about it the way other people think about it. Father doesn't think about you the way other people think about you. More importantly, the way you think about you. All those things that you walk into a counselor's office and you tell them about you, that's not true. It's, it's a lie. So thought is the process and our awareness by which substance is to be acted on by energy directed by divine intelligence. Thought should be the movement of divine ideas from our divine mind. So our thoughts control is established by aligning our thoughts with the divine mind. If your thoughts are out of control, then what have you aligned yourself? That which is carnal. You've aligned yourself with physical thoughts. You've aligned yourself with memories of the past. There's a lot of things that happened in my family that were bad. In my upgrowing were bad. And I try not to think on those things, but sometimes I'll watch a movie or I'll hear a story and it matches exactly what happened and it brings a sadness to me. And I have to remind myself, don't think on that. That's not the truth. The person that did those things, they're righteous and they're holy and they're with Father. So our thoughts control is established by an aligning and that aligning is something that we have to do. We have to align ourselves with our divine mind. We know what the truth is, right? Yes. And so all we have to do is align ourselves to that. And I like this. I, I was reminded of this last night, yesterday. Second Corinthians 10.5. Paul wrote, Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of, it said Christ, but it's actually to the obedience of your contact with Father. The word Paul used was translated... Uh, that was uh, was translated thought is N-O-E-M-A, Noemi, which means to your perception. So he's talking about, he's talking about bringing into captivity your perception, your understanding, because everything that we believed was a perception, was it not? Everything Moses wrote down was a perception of Father, but was it true? It was not. And then the word uh, captivity comes from a, a Hebrew word H-U-P-A-K-O-U-O, Hopakeiwa, hope, okay, something like that. And it means attentive hearkening. So what you've got to do is change your perception to who Father is and pay attention to that and listen to it. Just another word like Shama, uh, obey, means to listen with intelligence. And so Paul was saying that same thing. So we give attentive hearkening to all our perceptions to see if they be so. In other words, pay attention. If you say something about God or you say something about somebody else, then you need to pay pay attention to that and think, wait a minute, before I open my mouth, is that true? Like, I don't like that person. They're, They're always this and they're this and they're that. Well, wait a minute. Are they really that? Are they just like me? In my life, I've manifested false perceptions before myself. So the way to heal ones in harmony and consciousness is understand the creative power of thought and its relation to the relationship to divine mind. Harm- harmful conditions are built into awareness by what we perceive to be true. So we all know our thoughts are important, but very few pay attention to what they think on. Right? How? And the truth is, I know everybody does this. You can be driving down the road, and thoughts just start coming and coming and coming, and then you start, "Why am I thinking that?" Well, it's because at one time or another, you thought on those things and you dwelled on those things, or you can go to sleep and dream some things, and you wonder, "Why did I dream that?" And if you pay attention to your day-to-day thought and think that, well, I saw this movie and this happened and I, and I saw this and somebody said something or whatever and your brain begins to put that together and then it becomes a dream or it becomes a thought. So it's important for us to understand that thoughts are capable of expressing themselves, correct? An angry person thinks on angry things all the time. They walk around mad constantly because they thought something. You know, a person can think something about you and then they see you somewhere and they treat you that way and the truth is that was a lie and it happens all the time. Thoughts are capable of that very much and every thought clothes itself in a life form according to the character that gives the thinker. So if I think Carl is a mean person and I think that he doesn't like me, then that's what I see and my eyes put that form on him when it's not true whatsoever. And... Same about me. I can think, well, I'm a bad person. I did this when I was young. I mean, have, have any of you thought, why did I do that when I was younger? I, I don't think there's a person alive that doesn't have some kind of thought that think, why did I do that when I was younger? Why did I do that when I was a Christian? Why did I desire that? You know, Why did I steal some cigars when I was 13 years old from 7-Eleven and go smoke them under a bridge? You know, Or why did I steal that ice cream? That's what I'm supposed to be talking about is ice cream. And so those are thoughts. And Paul says, cast those vain imaginations down. Well, I did it. Why is it a vain imagination? Because it has no power over me if I let it go. It has power over you when you think on it, right? Again, if the man thinketh in his awareness, so is his realization. So thought is controlled by the right use of affirmation of truth by yielding your thoughts to your divine mind again. And the power of your true mind is the avenue... In which all things can be brought aright, and you think, well, how do i how do I connect with my true mind? Well just be still, be quiet, and know, and listen, and God will begin to speak to you, and you'll know if it's not Father. I've heard a lot of people say, "Father said this, and Father said that, and I knew Father didn't do that. They're just still listening to their subconscious or their conscious awareness, but thought, control, and dominion is obtained. By meditating on "I exist, I am one with Father," and the Paul, so Paul, so I like this. In First uh, Corinthians thirteen eleven, he wrote, "When I was a child," and I looked these words up. A child is somebody that's not able to speak spiritual things. It's n e p i o s, He said, "When I was a child, I spake," which means uttered words. Most of us did, as a child. How many ministry do you know that uttered words as a child? A lot. I was there too. And he said, I understood as a child. And that word understood means to exercise your awareness. So I exercise my awareness as a child, carnally. I want this. I need that. I need God to do this for me. I need, you know, if I can get 5,000 people to pray for me, all that stuff. But when I became a man... And when you look that word up, became, it means was caused to be. He became a spiritual man. How did that happen? Jesus came to him and he taught him and he explained truth to them. Then he said, I put away childish things. I put away teaching and speaking carnally. And that's pretty powerful. And we all need to be there. So what we want is a good atmosphere for our thoughts, like living and thinking out of the cool of the day. What we dwell on builds either harmony or it builds in harmony an atmosphere like that. So recorded in Acts 6-2, I'm going to be closing here pretty quick. We have 12 disciples and they're teaching the word. Their mandate was to go forth and teach the word and explain what Jesus was teaching the best that they could. And they didn't think it was right that they should leave prayer and leave ministry and serve tables. And some people can look at that and think, well, that's crazy or whatever. But there's a lot of spiritual truth to this. So they decided to find seven men of honest report and to point them to the business of serving tables. One of them was uh, Timon, T-I-M-O-N. You ever heard of him? Because he's only listed one time in the Bible. He's like a lot of other people, just their names are there. But why are their names there if it's not important for us? So it is. So the only place in the scripture you find him mentioned is Acts 6, 5, when he was one of those men. The meaning of his name is very enlightening. His Greek name, uh, Timon, and it comes from the Hebrew, means upright, honorable, sound, whole, valuable, and precious. Isn't that cool? All these meanings symbolize a person who possesses soundness and uprightness of thought and integrity. To me, they, they picture a comfort messenger. He served tables, did they not? Well, we're to serve what? The bread and wine of the word. Uh, in Nehemiah, I'm going to read it here a little bit, but it talks about preparing portions for them that have none. Is that somebody that's serving at a table? So Timon was a man that was full of wisdom, full of spirit, who was chosen to help distribute provisions among Jerusalem to see that none was overlooked and they were daily ministered to. Again, that's a comforter messenger. We have provisions that we compare for people that have none. And there's a lot of people that don't have them. That's a special calling. That's a comforter messenger. And hence chosen to distribute these truths and uh, portions mean we give them what they can take right now we, we, you can't give them the whole thing because it'll just drive them away but you give them what they're asking for if you would i'm not talking about asking for money or food or whatever but people come to you all the time and they have a need in their life they're praying for something and one thing I've asked Father, and he's it almost always, it's, it's happening, is when I come into people's presence, I want to hear them say something that lets me know what they need. Because I have the answer. I went to the Goodwill the other day, well not the other way, about a month ago. I, I go there looking for canvases sometimes. I can buy them and repurpose them. And there was a young lady, had uh, piercings all over her, tattoos all over her, a lot of quote, Christians would have had nothing to do with her. And I told her, I said, I like your tattoo. What does that mean? That's one way I really opened up with some people. And we, the, the conversation went really quick to where I was able to tell her that she was holy. I think she said something about people don't like him or something. And I told her she was holy and I explained to her why she was holy. And you know what she said to me? Where have you been all my life? Isn't that amazing? where have you been all my life? And I could have been a sensual person and tried to take advantage of that. Like some people would do, but I realized she was waiting for her Messiah. She was waiting for a comforter messenger. Why, where were you? I needed to hear this a long time ago because the church didn't tell me this. Right. They told me I was unlovely. They told me I was spotted. The Shulamite. This is what the church did to me. But they need comforter messengers like Jesus and say, no, honey, you're altogether lovely. There is no spot in you. You are beautiful. And I got to leave her with that powerful message. And there's not a person, Carl, that you come into contact with that doesn't need to hear something. And Father won't bring anybody into your life that you can't answer that question. Right? Because we know, so my desire for you is for you to possess soundness and uprightness and a thought of integrity. What I mean by possess it is to handle it because you already possess it, but to be able to handle it, excuse me, also that you understand the great worth of the spiritual substance in you, the great worth of life, the great worth of the words of truth that we're learning and we're hearing that sustains us and gives us strength and true thought and activities so you can go your way Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to people in your world that's prepared for them. And it brings life to them. It brings the living word to them. And so this this is a powerful message of thought. We've got to understand that because it is our thoughts that hinder us. It's our thoughts that keep us from being everything that Father wants us to be or to, to manifest, if you would. So the question is, is will you be a, like a Timon? I guess that's how you pronounce his name. Timon, Timion, whatever. Who is Timon. You know you're full of wisdom. You know that you are the holy breath of father. And he's chosen you to help distribute provisions of truth among the people in your world. To see that none are overlooked in your daily walk. I don't want to ever pass by one person that if they're asking for help that I'm not willing And I know Donna understands why I do it, but I've had her ask me many times in my life, why do you have to do it? Why do you have to talk to all those people? Well, I can't help it. There's a mandate in my life. I love to talk to people. And there's not always an opening, but I can tell you when I get in a conversation with somebody, 99.9% of the time, there's an opening to share with them the love of God. And it's not that God loves you, but. Speak real loud. There's another man called Stephen, and it said that he was chosen because he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Right. So that shows you that they're not just serving tables. No. You know they're there for. I mean, he's full of faith and Holy Ghost. So. But the disciples saw that as a, a reason, t- reason, menial task. Yeah, there's got to be a reason that he yeah. was picked if he's full of the Holy Ghost. Right. And faith. And everybody's full of the Holy Ghost, but he was, uh, 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 not Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, but they were aware of it. They were, they were functioning out of it. And the disciples were wrong. Disciples can serve table, pastors can serve tables. I've been to too many churches where the pastors are up here and the congregation down here. We need to be right there with everybody. And so said, it's a powerful picture. The purpose was meeting the people and ministering to them on their level. On their level. That's exactly right. So. Well, everybody, we thank you that you came today. Paul, I see you on there. It's good to see you. And uh, we hope that this blessed you and that you understand the importance of uh, of your, your what you think on and your thoughts that come into your life and that you understand the reason that you have life and that's to reproduce life. So we desire that you do that. Thank you for all your comments that you make and your messages that you send to me. And we love you very much. Appreciate you and wish you a very good day. Goodbye.